This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. And good morning, good afternoon, wherever you happen to be on this wonderful Sunday morning, at least wonderful here in Los Angeles. Uh, you're here with your host for the next 30 minutes here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. And I am Dr. Jeff Werber. And um, I'm happy to be here. Hope you're, um, you're ready with some questions. Got some things to talk about. First, they want to thank our sponsors, Brevecto, 12-week protection against flea and tick, Save This Life microchip, and More Than a Cone, raising awareness of um, animal welfare through the arts. It's really cool. And we want to hear from you. And a couple of ways to do that. You can always give us a call toll-free at 877-385-8882. Once again, that is 877-385-8882. Another way, which I even prefer, is if you go to our website, that is PetLifeRadio.com, and you click on the Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff tab, you can scroll down, and there is a link for Google Hangouts. And what makes that so much fun is that we get to see you and your pet, hopefully sitting with you on your lap or on your table or desk, wherever you may be, and uh, talk about anything you want to talk about. So uh, I have some things to talk about. I am always prepared, and I love to, uh, in fact, I just got back from two back-to-back trade shows, which is why I was not with you live last week. I had the, in Indianapolis, uh, a week and a half ago, was the American Veterinary Medical Association Conference. And yes, I saw a lot of race cars. It happened to be the weekend of the Brickyard 400. But of course, Indianapolis is famous for the Indy 500, the Memorial Day race, which is the Formula racing cars. So you know, everywhere you go in Indianapolis, there are Formula One racing cars. Not driving the streets, no, 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 but like at the airport, at restaurants, at, in the exhibit hall. I mean, it is amazing. that it, it is a racing town. And then I was literally home for a day, not even a full day. I had my granddaughter's second birthday, so I couldn't miss that, of course. And then the next day, I was uh, back on a plane to Las Vegas for Super Zoo. And there are two main pet industry trade shows. We, much of our team here at Pet Life Radio, converge on Orlando every March for the Global Pet Expo. Many of us here host shows, and of course, our producers are there. But this is a, it's a little smaller, it's more geared to the smaller mom and pop pet stores. Uh, you don't see as many huge, but I mean, everybody's there at Super Zoo. Uh, it's a huge show. And uh, that was in Las Vegas. And uh, one of the things we're going to talk about is the grooming competition. And the reason I'm bringing it up is because I was posting some pictures, which I'm going to show you. I was like shocked at the response, the backlash because of these pictures. And, you know, I think there's a, a fine line between, well, first of all, there's a saying, I'm sure you've all heard it. If you haven't, you're going to hear it today. And that is a little knowledge is dangerous. Say once again, think about it. A little knowledge is dangerous. It's kind of like it goes with what I tell young veterinarians. It's very important to know what you know. It really is. You got to know what you know. But it's actually more important to know what you don't know. Those are the cases where you have to ask for help. You have to refer. Very important to know. But you know, as I always say, the most dangerous veterinarian or medical doctor or anybody in any profession on the planet is one who doesn't know what they don't know, i.e., they actually think they know it. So that's where you get into trouble. Better say, you know what? No, I don't, I don't know this one. I've never seen a case like this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call my friend the internist. I'm going to call my friend the surgeon, whatever it is. But don't mess with something you don't know. But when you don't know, you don't know it, right? I.e., you think you know it. Oh, my God. Disaster. So 
but we're going to talk about that when we show some cute pictures. Well, I thought they were cute. <laughs> Unfortunately, a lot of people out there didn't, but we're going to talk about that. Anyway, so once again, I want to hear from you, and I definitely, I definitely want to hear from you when these pictures come up. So anyway, on our AVMA Smart Brief, that's the American Veterinary Medical Association Smart Brief, I actually went to the uh, Smart Brief booth at the AVMA conference and said, you guys just know I plug you every Sunday morning on my radio show. Because they do. It's a great source of news and information about the profession, but things that also can affect you. And that's what I always look for. Who just understand a little bit more about what we have to deal with and what we think about in the profession. I think it helps you a little bit. Anyway, here's one. No surprise. Nevada, California, for example, have legalized the use of recreational marijuana. We do know, we have learned already from its legalization in Colorado, that there has been presented to emergency centers because of marijuana intoxication. And here's the problem. The problem is we know what the what we call the LD50, lethal dose 50. So that is a dose that beyond which or at which 50% of the animals receiving that dose will die. So obviously we don't want to go near the LD50. What's the toxic dose? And the question is we really don't know. We know that three grams of marijuana well, per we kilogram can, of body weight this, is the LD50. But we don't know where we get signs of intoxication, nor do we know what dose is effective and if effective for what. And as we're learning, I'm learning, is that there are so many different strains of marijuana. Do you realize that in a marijuana plant, there are over 400 compounds? And many of them, most of them actually, do have some degree of THC. THC is the agent in marijuana that is the, it causes the the clinical signs of the neurologic conditions. So the whole key is we know that dogs really shouldn't have much THC, but in very small amounts, THC actually has some, those psychoactive component of the THC can have some beneficial properties as well. So even though we know what LD50 is, we don't know at all what our toxic doses are, just signs of toxicity, and what doses and of what type and of what compounds. There are a lot of questions still. So it's not an easy slam dunk. Uh, do many of us, myself included, feel that there are going to be beneficial properties to marijuana? Uh, we already know that a lot of products out there have CBD, that's cannabidiol, which contains no THC or negligible amounts of THC, but there's also cannabis oil, which does. So tetrahydrocannabinol, which is the THC, that is the question. So we still have a lot to learn. So the problem is for us as veterinarians in these states, we're going to be bombarded with questions and we don't know the answers yet. And now the only good news is that more schools like UC Davis, like Western here in California, will finally start to start some of the uh, the issues that we're having. So anyway, just wanted to uh, run that by. So keep your eyes out, ears out open. I mean, eyes open, ears open, because we're going to be learning more and more about marijuana and dogs and pets and the, the dangers, the do's and the don'ts. Next up, because of rains in many parts of the country, we are seeing more and more problems with rat population. And you know what that means? That means potential rodenticide toxicity for dogs. Because the more rats there are, the more people, the more of these extermination companies are going to be putting out rat poison. And the dogs will either get a hold of the rat poison, or here's one for you. Years and years and years ago, a friend of mine brings his dog to be spayed. And it was a routine spay. No problem. But after the spay, she keeps bleeding. So much so that we went actually back in. Did she slip a ligature? Would it mean did one of the ligatures slip off and, and now she's bleeding? And we go back in, take a look. No signs. Everything was intact. 
So I called the owner, a friend of mine. I say, you know, it's so weird, but Elkie continues to bleed. If I didn't know any better, she, she looks like a dog that got a hold of rat poison. And he looks at me and he goes, what do you mean rat poison? Well, rat poison is called a it's rodenticide. And the agent, the dicumidins, the warfarins that's in it will actually cause bleeding. He goes, oh, you know, I didn't think to tell you, Jeff, but about a week ago, or maybe not even a week ago, Elkie came home with a dead rat in her mouth. And I said, oh, my God. I don't think Elkie killed the rat, or if she did, she killed a dying rat. The rat was dying because of the rodenticide. Now she, by eating, munching on the rat and getting a hold of the blood that was where the dicubidin, the warfarins, were in the blood, then she ingested, basically ingested the rat poison. So it is not directly, and not only directly eating the rat poison, sometimes it's eating a rat that was killed or was dying from the rat poison. So be careful. Minnesota. First horse in 2017 to be diagnosed with rabies. It was euthanized. Very sad. So rabies does exist, everybody. So don't forget that rabies does exist. And this is something interesting. A lot of people now with the ability to buy medications in bulk are getting their, instead of the one month at a time, they're getting their full supply. And so what's happening is, as we know, dogs have an amazing sense of smell. And the coating that a lot of these pills come with has a nice, sweet smell. And dogs like it that we have 5 million receptors in our noses. They have 200 million. That means they have 40 times what we have. And yes, they can smell things, and they can smell that sugar-sweeted coating. Don't kid yourselves. It's very dangerous. So if you're going to buy anything where the dog can possibly get a hold of, first of all, childproof means nothing to a dog. They'll crack right through that thing in no time. Put them very high up. This is really cool, this next story. At University of Pennsylvania, the School of Veterinary Medicine, they have created, they made a 3D prosthesis, a prosthetic leg for a 34-year-old parrot. And I don't know if you've heard this stuff, but it fascinates me. One of my clients actually does this stuff. Just like when you copy something in two dimensionals, you put it through a copier, the machine, and it copies exactly what it was there. Well, now there are devices that using plastics and you put something in there that's three-dimensional and it actually copies that. So you can make you, you can take something that's even two-dimensional and make it into a three-dimensional. And uh, it is absolutely amazing. The technology blows my mind. So anyway, that's what they did. They made a 3D prosthesis, prosthetic leg for a 34-year-old parrot. That's cool. And one last thing before we go to break. And that is, and it's no, no surprise to any of us, but who have an elderly parent or grandparent, but older adults with pets clearly do better, get more exercise, seem healthier, and live longer than seniors without pets. So when that grandparent or grandparents, when they're getting old, or there's one that's a widow or widower, and they say, ah, no, I don't want to do stuff like that. I don't want to get. So then it's really time to uh, make sure that you uh, set something up for them. So anyway, that's about halfway through our show. We're going to come back. I'm going to show you some amazing pictures, so don't go away. And uh, remember, you can reach us at 877-385-8882 or join us us live on PetLifeRadio.com. Ask the best with Dr. Jeff and Google Hangout. Don't go away. We'll be right back. We'll be right back right after these messages. Stay tuned. As a dog, I know a lot about fleas and ticks, so trust me when I say no other tasty chew protects dogs as long as Brevecto. One Brevecto chew keeps fleas and ticks away for up to 12 weeks. Be a good human and ask your vet about Brevecto. Brevecto may cause vomiting. 
Not pumped about cleaning the litter box? Try World's Best Cat Litter Zero Mess, the litter that gives you two times better clumping and more odor control with less litter. That's right, you scoop once and you're done. No chiseling, no scraping, no crumbling, no problem. Looking for fast and easy litter box cleanup? Zero Mess. Try it. You're welcome in advance. Save $2 on World's Best Cat Litter. Visit www.saveonworldsbest.com. Retrievers, Labradors, Goldens are the main breeds that come through our door, but we'll train anything with four legs and a tail. My husband and I own our kennel. We train hunting dogs and also have a boarding and grooming business. Our dogs, they're athletes, and we feed them very quality food. You can't get enzymes in a commercial dog food because they cook it at such a high heat that so much important nutrition is just cooked right out of it. But adding Dynavite to their diet has every single dog in my kennel looking better than they have ever looked. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. 859-428-1000. The omega-3 fatty acids. Flaxseed, zinc, alfalfa. The digestive enzymes that are cooked out of regular dog food. Dynavite is nutrition. If you want the dog to be healthy, you got to feed it something healthy. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E. <laughs> Dynavite's the bomb. 859-428-1000. 859-428-1000. Dynavite for life. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E oh. dot com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. Dot com. <laughs> So we're back here and, uh, live with Dr. Jeff here at Pet Life Radio. Ask the vets with Dr. Jeff. Um, so a uh, question came in, and uh, the question is, how do I introduce my dog to a new home? And when left alone during the day, should we keep the dog uh, in a room or maybe continue to crate, etc.? Great question. And I- I'm assuming here that it's not the dog that's new, it's the home that's new. So let's talk first of all, dogs like to be with you. So when you have dogs that are coming into a new environment, as long as you're there with them, it actually makes for an easier transition. Of course, when you go to work for the first few days, you're left home alone, there could be a little bit of a problem there. So firstly, just make sure that they feel secure when you're going from room to room. If it's a room with a chair or a bed or a couch, have them come with you. A lot of positive reward, a lot of positive reinforcement. And I would recommend, of course, not moving into a new place in a morning and then you're going straight to work. Usually people move on in the evenings, they move on weekends. So that's pretty good because that way you're home with the dog or dogs for, for a little bit of the time. But again, it's really all about making them feel comfortable, taking them for a walk on leash in the neighborhood, let them get the new smells so they start feeling more comfortable when they come back in the house. They're coming back in the new house. So I will tell you that when I moved about a mile and a half away from our very first house, when I moved back to Los Angeles after school, after veterinary school, we were moving, moving trucks were there. I think the dogs were pretty freaked out into the new house, and all of a sudden they disappeared. And I went up and down the neighborhood, the new, new streets, worried that they wouldn't know their way home because it was new, et cetera, et cetera. P.S., you know what? Let me go to the old house, a mile and a half away. Sure enough, guess where they were? At the old house. So, so they, are, they are pretty smart. I hope you're moving far away, so that's uh, not a possibility. But you would definitely want to keep an eye on them until you know that they are very comfortable and secure in the new home. And a lot of positive reward. Now, one thing about when you have to go to work and they're being left alone for the first time, day two, three days at the new home, 
it may not be a bad idea to crate again or to at least confine them to one small room, like the kitchen. Get a baby gate. You know, if it's an open concept home, it might be a little more difficult. But try to keep them confined to a room with, you know, their bed and, you know, food, water, toys, whatever it is. And uh, if you can, if possible, come home during lunch and just make sure everything's okay. I would not. I would be very cautious about leaving a dog alone in a backyard in a brand new home for two reasons. Number one, you haven't really had a chance, I would assume, unless it's you know a huge cinder block or brick wall with no openings, to check the yard itself. Because if there is a way to get out, trust me, the dog will find it. And secondly, they might become more destructive because it's a being. It's almost like for them until they really know it's theirs. They are going to be, um, you know, fearing they're, they got stuck in somebody else's house, somebody else's yard, and they don't want to go there. They want to go back to their yard. So you have to, it's a, not a super slow process, but, you know, give it a little time. Give it, a, you know, five days, six days, a lot of positive reward. Chill with them as much as you can in the yard, in the house, wherever they're going to be. But it can be, and usually it's a very smooth transition. I know when we moved from our uh, that second house well, to the first house we bought, and this is 20, I don't know, 1990, a long time ago, the dogs had no issue. In fact, they this house was bigger. They loved it. it had a yard, had a pool. So no, it, for, for them, it was heaven. They died and went to heaven, those lucky dogs. So anyway, you know, it's uh, just go slow and you just don't have any expectations. Just take it slow. So here's something I wanted to chat with you guys about, and I wanted some opinions. I hope this shows up. Um, if it doesn't, I'm sure I will get a text from my, uh, from my producer, Mark. But I was at the Pet Expo, and I met up with a friend of mine. He goes, have you seen the grooming area? I go, no, I'm not going to watch a bunch of dogs get groomed. He goes, oh, no, 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 you need to see this. So this is, I'm going to try, as I said, I hope that these things will show up. Can you see that, everybody? So that is a poodle, believe it or not. That took about 20 hours. They do only like an hour, hour and a half at a time. And what she was telling me, because they do this so often and enter these competitions, the dogs actually love it. They literally jump on the table. Check this one out. Now, that's pretty amazing. You can see, again, standard poodle with the hair to make look like waves in the ocean and the whale is uh, nicely placed inside the poodle. No, the poodle did not swallow a whale. Now, here, another motif, and this is, as you can clearly see, a, a poodle with a fairly large fish and all the cool colors. Some of these are like after, which you'll see in a minute, cartoon. Now, this one, I was so impressed, only because I think the artwork is absolutely amazing. And this dog, as I said, I watched the, her work on this dog. This dog was loving it. You know, it's like almost any working dog. When they're doing what they are trained or meant to do, and they get the positive reward, can you see the horses in, I mean, just artistically between the, the coloring? Now, by the way, just so you know, if there's any concern, these are all non-toxic food-type coloring that are actually ingestible. So there is zero, zero toxicity. Here's one. Here's the, oops, this is the, the silhouette of the wolf and, the, you know, in the, with the moon in the background. And I think this was uh, the only, one of the, the few non-standard poodles that I saw. But it's amazing. It's fascinating. And then we'll do one more. Oh, just to show you, there are some cute, beautiful dogs too, like this Bichon, who looks like it, it looks like it was fake. It's sheer perfection. And here, check this out, a Briard. See that? So there's some normal ones too, but and I'll show you the last one, which is a character right out of the cartoons. And there we go. 
So in talking to some of these groomers, I've learned a few things. First of all, the dogs love it. They start when they're young. There's a lot of positive reward. It gets to the point where the dogs literally will jump on the table. And I was thinking, and I'm sure as I was sitting uh, in the press room at one point during this show, I met up with a colleague of mine who's a, a dog trainer, an amazing dog trainer. And she was just running her personal dog through some of the exercises that she had taught this dog. And it was amazing, absolutely amazing. Now, I got to tell you, it's not natural. You know, you'll never see a dog in nature doing what she taught this dog to do. But to look at the expression on this dog's face, to look at the vitality and the eagerness with which this dog wanted to perform these tricks for the owner, right? It's all taught through positive reinforcement. They love it. They love it. So it's no different. It takes hours and hours and hours of work to teach these dogs to do what you see. And you can go online, you can go into, you know, these dancing dogs, these all these amazingly trained dogs. And for some dogs, like the herding dogs, doing the sheep dogs, yes, it's normal, it's natural, it's in their, you know, it's in their guts, they're bred for it, and they're working dogs, and that's just what they do. But to achieve, to get to the point where they are so highly well-trained, you realize just to train a service dog, the amount of money that goes into training one service dog is about $10,000. Do you think there's something they can do in an hour? Hell no. It's hours and hours of work and positive reward and work. And when you watch these dogs work, you know they enjoy it. You know they've had fun because of the way they respond to their owners, to their trainers, to their handlers. So watching these dogs as, first of all, shocked at the, the artwork and the detail, but of course, I also take it from the veterinary perspective. Are these animals suffering because of it? Is there anything dangerous about it? And the answer clearly is I talk to these people and watch these dogs at work. I don't think so. I mean, God, I would love my dog to be so thrilled to get a bath or to jump on, the, on, on a grooming table. I mean, will I ever do that to one of my dogs? No. But don't think until you learn the facts, all right? Because I got so many comments on my Instagram from people that just didn't know. Oh, these animals are suffering. How can they do this to these poor dogs? Blah, blah. No, go there yourself. See for yourself. It's amazing. I was really shocked, pleasantly surprised. And um, again, not for me, but these dogs, watch these dogs have this done to them. And then they walk around the show. It's almost as if they walk around with their heads held high. They're proud. It is. It, it was a shocker to me. So I don't like passing judgment on things that I don't know about. I like to watch it a little bit. I like to kind of do my own study, my own evaluation. And my evaluation here is does not hurt the dogs in any way. This stuff is literally edibly safe. And uh, the dogs seem to enjoy it. As I said, I would not do it for one of my dogs. But then again, I don't have my dogs trained like robots. Like I've seen many, many people train their dogs. My dogs are dogs. They sit, stay, they heal. They listen to me sometimes. They love to play ball, love to play fetch. Uh, love to eat, especially my Labradors, and love to swim. Even my Frenchies, <laughs> and they're not very good at it, but they have jumped in on many occasions. So anyway, I'd be, love to hear from you about this. Next week, you want to send me an email to drjeff at petliferadio.com. Let me hear your thoughts. Join me on Instagram at Dr. Jeff Werber, and uh, just you know, take a look at the pictures. See what you think. Send me a, an opinion. Love to hear your opinion. And if we want to talk more about this at a future show, I would be happy to. So anyway, thanks again for joining us here in Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. We will see you here next week. And um, have a great week, everybody. Once again, thanks to our sponsors. Barbecto, 12-week flea and tick protection by Merck. More than a cone. Save, uh, raising awareness of animal welfare through the arts. And, of course, save this life microchip. 
See you all next week. Have a great week, everybody. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.